You're listening to teaching from the Castle Hills Christian Church in San Antonio, Texas. More information about Castle Hills Christian Church is available at chccsa.com. Have you ever set a goal and, and failed? Have you ever set a goal and failed? You said, hey, you know what? I, I want to lose weight. And so I'm going to start eating healthy, and I'm going to go to the gym multiple times. And then your family decides they want to eat pizza. And you say, well, I'll just eat one or two slices. And then you end up eating like six or seven slices. And then your wife makes some cookies, and you say, well, I'll just eat one or two cookies. And then you end up eating a whole dozen cookies. And you think, well... I just miss one day at the gym. I, it's not that big a deal. And then one day turns into two days and three days in a week. And, and you get discouraged. And, and, and you give up. Maybe it's a spiritual goal. Maybe you decide, hey, I'm going to read the Bible this year. I, I got my Bible reading plan. And man, I'm going to read through the Bible. And, and you're, you're going at it hard for the first two or three months. And, and then you get to Leviticus and Numbers. And, and, and no disrespect to the Bible, but it's like watching paint dry. I mean, it's, it's just not exciting. And you're like, man, I, I don't get a whole lot out of this. And, and so then again, you miss day one, day two, day three. Next thing you know, you're a week behind. You're like, oh, man, I got to read a whole bunch today on Saturday. And so I mean, you, you catch up and then next week you fall back behind. And, and, and we have good intentions we have good intentions. I mean, like, we want to read through the Bible. We want to lose weight. We want to do whatever goal that you set. But sometimes we fail. The question is, why do we fail? Why do we fail? Maybe the better question, though, is how can we be successful? How can we succeed? I, I, I think the answer falls, has a lot to do with our habits has a lot to do with our habits. Will Durant said this. He said, We are what we repeatedly do. Excellence, therefore, is not an act, but a habit. We are what we repeatedly do. Excellence, therefore, is not an act, but a habit. Over the next several weeks, we're going to be talking about habits. As Richard mentioned, our, our vision is a changed life through Christ, and we believe that this is done by having healthy habits. And, and today, we're talking about kingdom habits. And, and, and throughout this series, we're going to encourage you. We're going to challenge you. We're going to say, hey, we want you to reflect on your life and think about some habits that you might want to develop in your life. And James Clare in the book, Atomic Habits, it says the key to building lasting habits is creating a new identity first. Your current behavior is a reflection of your current identity. I love what Craig Rochelle said. He said, we need to be concerned about the who before the do. We're great about making do goals. For instance, we're like, well, you know what? I want to sleep more. Or I want to get off of social media. I don't want to spend so much time with social media. And, and we're great about making the, the do-goes of, of, of something along those lines. But he says what we really need to start thinking about is who do we want to become? Who do I want to become? 
Do I want to become a good father, a godly father, a good husband or a good wife? Do I want to be someone who's punctual, who's someone that's organized? Do I want to be a tidy housekeeper? Do I want to be sober? Do I want to be someone who's a good steward? Well, once you figure out who you want to become, then you can develop a system to help you become this. You can develop habits. See, goals don't determine success. Systems determine success. Let me give you an example of this. My wife, Julie, a long time ago, decided that she was going to be a tidy housekeeper. Even before we got married, this was important to her. And so she studied and she read and she found out, hey, this is what being a tidy housekeeper looks like. And she has this habit that she constantly does. She makes our bed every day. Every day, she gets up and she makes our bed. On vacation, she makes our bed. We're in a hotel. She makes her bed. I'm like, honey, it's vacation. You don't have to do this. And she's like, no, I'm going to make the bed. It's so bad that if she leaves after me and I'm having, if I happen to still be in bed, I feel like I got to make the bed because I don't want to let her down. I mean, it's, it's one of those things that her who is, one of her who goes is, hey, I want to be a tidy housekeeper. She does several other things, but this is just one that sticks out to me. Like if your hugo is, hey, I want to be punctual, then you're going to develop habits. You're going to build a system that says, guess what? What's going to help me get on time to meetings? So you're going to say, well, I might need to go to bed early so I don't wake up late. You're going to have to think, well, there might be traffic. I might have a spouse or kids that might slow me down. There might be a Starbucks detour that makes my car all of a sudden go off and makes me late or McDonald's, or whatever you fill in the blank. You, you figure out your who, and then you create a system, you create habits to help you achieve those. Maybe you want to be a, a reader. Maybe some of you aren't much at reading books, and you say, you know what, I, I want to be a reader. And so you figure out a genre that you really like. And, and, and then you say, well, I want to start reading five or ten minutes a day. And you figure out that time of day, maybe it's in the morning, maybe it's at lunch, maybe it's before you go to bed. You say, man, I, I'm going to do these things. And, and then you get excited and you say, man, I just read my first book. And sometimes my first book turns into a second and a third. Here's something, though, that I realized. Even if you don't read one day, even if you mess up, even if Julie doesn't, even if she doesn't make the bed, doesn't mean that she's a failure. There's no single act that changes our identity. There's no single act that changes our identity. So even if Julie doesn't make the bed, it doesn't mean that she's a bad housekeeper. Even if you show up late to a meeting, it doesn't mean that you're someone who's not punctual. Even if you go and you spend time or blow a bunch of money on a new power tool, it doesn't mean that you're not a good steward. See, one, no single act, just because you blow it one time, it doesn't have to do with your, or it doesn't blow who you are. And so I'm encouraging us, I'm encouraging us to think about the who, and especially those who kingdom habits that we can develop in our life. So, so what's one of those who kingdom habits that we could, we could figure out? Maybe some of you say, you know, I want to be an inviter. I want to be an inviter. I want to be like Andrew, who invited people, who connected people to Jesus. And you think, well, you know, that's something that I really 
want to be. I want to be that connector. So maybe some of you, you want to be a Bible student. You want to be like the Bereans in Acts chapter 17 who studied God's word daily. And, and you're not there yet, but you just you want to try to figure out that. You want to know the Bible more. You, want, you don't want to say, well, I, it says it somewhere. You want to start memorizing God's word, and you, you just want to, to really know that. And so you're who is, hey, I want to be a Bible student. Maybe some of you, you want to be a teacher. Like you want to help people move in their relationship to a deeper level. That might be in a class. That might be in a small group or what we call live groups here. It, it, it might be over a cup of coffee as you're talking to a friend. It might be in the car as you're taking your kids to school or at bedtime. But you, you say, you know what? I want to know the Bible a little bit more. I want to be able to help people move closer in their relationship. Some of you say, well, I want to be a servant. I, I just want to serve Christ. I want to serve Christ in any way I can. And so I'm going to start looking for opportunities. Man, when, they, when Castle Hill says, hey, here's, here's an opportunity to serve, I'm raising my hand. I'm contacting Monica. I'm doing anything I can because I want to serve. I want to serve our city. I want to help out with faith and action. I, I, I just want to be available. You, you see a need, man, you just jump in and you do it. That's, that's your who. Maybe some of you, you want to be an investor. You say, you know, God's blessed me with, with all this wealth. And I just want to see where God's working, and, and I just want to give my money and watch God multiply it and do amazing things. I, I, I've seen God do this time and time again. And, and i got to tell you, um, I've been asking, me, asking myself this question. Who do I want to become? Who do I want to become? And, and I've probably been wrestling for, with this for the last couple of years. But one thing that stuck out to me is God kept on saying, Ronnie, I want you to be a prayer warrior. And, and, and I've always prayed, but then I think about people such as Vicki Coase. Vicki Coase is uh, one of the most amazing women here at the church. And like when she prays, I believe hell shakes. I mean, like, I mean it's, it's just she prays in a powerful way. And man, she prays uh, for us just over and over. She comes to me, she's like, Ronnie, I'm praying for you. And I'm like, Man, Miss Vicky, when you pray, I can feel it. I mean, it, it is powerful. I, I think about Liz Harmon that's in my life group. Uh, she is constantly praying for people. And I said, you know what? They have something I don't have. And, and, and I, I want to have that. I want to pray like them. So, man, I start reading. I start reading prayers in the, in the Bible. And, and I was talking to my mentor about this. And he said, hey, you need to read this book called Extreme Prayer by Greg Pruitt. And, and I start reading that book. And that challenged me in a whole new way in my prayer life. And so I'm, I'm, getting, I'm getting ready. I'm getting excited, man. I'm trying to work on being a prayer warrior. And you know what happens? Satan, he starts telling me all of these things. He starts saying, Ronnie, you can't be a prayer warrior. Your mind wonders. You start thinking about everything that needs to be done. You start thinking about lunch. You, you start thinking about mowing the grass. You, your mind wonders. And and sometimes when you pray, like, the prayers seem like they just bounce off the ceiling and come right back at you. Like, you, you can't be like Miss Vicky. You can't be like Miss Liz. You don't have enough knowledge, or you're not disciplined, or you're lazy. Or what if you pray something and God says no? Can you handle the rejection? Let me just tell you this. Satan does not want you to have a kingdom habit. He does not want you to do that. He's going to discourage you. 
And so I want you to do something right now. I want you to put your hands right next to your ear. Okay, I'm going to try to do this without messing up my microphone. I want you to pretend like you have a hearing aid, and you're going to switch it off when Satan starts saying lies and tries to discourage you. So you flip that thing off. Not, not to me talking, okay? Uh, but but just, just when Satan... When Satan is talking to you and he's saying these lies and he's saying, no, you can't develop a kingdom habit. You can't do this. You can't be a prayer warrior. You can't be a godly father. You can't be a good steward. You can't be sober. You can't be whatever the case may be. I want you to just start physically saying, oh, that's a lie from Satan. Satan lies to us. He is the father of lies. He does not want this church. He does not want this church, I promise you, to be prayer warriors. He does not want us to develop kingdom habits. And so I, I start thinking again, hey, I want to be a prayer warrior. And so I come across this passage in Daniel chapter 6. Some of you have heard this many times. Daniel was a teenager when he came to Babylon. But now he's up into his 80s. And he was exiled there, and God tended to bless him. I, he had integrity. He was sold out for God. And, and here in Daniel chapter 6, there's a, a new ruler named Darius. He's over the Medio Persian Empire. And, and uh, Daniel has re- or went up into the ranks, uh, and he's one of the, the top people. And, and Darius is so impressed with Daniel. He says, Hey, I, I want to make you number two in charge. The, the problem is, there's a bunch of satraps and administrators, and, and they're saying, Well, I want that position. But Daniel is going to get that position. I, I want that position. And, and, and you know, the more that you move up and things like that, more, the more that people are going to criticize you. And so they're looking for a way to criticize Daniel. They're looking for a way to trap him. In verses 4 and 5, Daniel chapter 6, it says this. Then the other administrators and high officers began searching for some fault in the way that Daniel was handling government affairs. But they couldn't find what? Anything to criticize or condemn. I don't know about you, but if people followed me around, they could find something wrong. I'm not faultless. I mean, I'm not perfect. I'm not the perfect minister. But they followed Daniel around. They couldn't find anything to criticize or condemn him. He was faithful, always responsible, completely trustworthy. So they concluded our only chance of finding grounds for accusing Daniel will be in his connection with the rules of his religion. Catch this. They, they say, man, we follow him around. We're looking, we're looking. We can't find anything. I mean, this guy, he is faithful in his duties. He's faultless in his character and he's fervent in his prayers. The only thing that the guy does that we can possibly get him is that he prays. He prays three times a day. That's the only way that we might be able to trip him up. So what do they do? What do the administrators and satraps do? They go to King Darius and say, King Darius, you're so wonderful. You're like a god. And we think you ought to issue a law that everyone prays to you for the next 30 days. Forbid anyone from praying to anyone except for you. Now, Darius likes Daniel. He doesn't realize that this is actually focused at Daniel. But he also has a lot of pride. He's like, well, man, I like people praying to me. I like being a god. I mean, that, that, that that sounds like a good law. And so he signs it into effect. 
So what does Daniel do? Daniel hears about this. We'll see in the text. He goes home. He bows. He goes up to the upper room. And guess what he does? He prays three times, just as he's always done. He goes to the upstairs room with the windows open toward Jerusalem. And he prays and he prays and he prays. That was his habit. Daniel was a prayer warrior. Daniel was, had lots of responsibility, but he made time over and over again to pray. Now, I was trying to do some math, and that's kind of dangerous with preachers, okay? I mean, we, we're, we tend to inflate numbers quite a bit. But, but with Daniel, if he prayed, and, and again, scholars say that he prayed normally at 7 a.m., noon, and 5 p.m., that's when they speculate that. But if he prayed three times a day each year, uh, we're, we're talking over a thousand times each year. And, and then if he prayed, let's just start saying that he prayed at the age of 10. And let's just say he's 85 and he prayed for 75 years. He would have prayed over 82,000 times. That's in scheduled prayer. That's not talking about the unscheduled. That's not talking about spontaneous prayer. We are what we repeatedly do. We are what we repeatedly do. Daniel was a prayer warrior. That was his life. He made that a habit in his life. And we fast forward into Daniel chapter 6, and, and, and we see because he prayed, he had to pay for the consequences. He's thrown into a lion's den, and these lions were hungry. They were ready to eat. And, and Daniel gets in there, and he's like, hey, what's up, lion? You hungry? You can't eat me. I'm protected by God. And the angels protected him, kept the lions from messing with him. Darius is all concerned. Darius didn't want to do this in the first place. He can't eat. He doesn't have entertainment. He doesn't sleep that night. And the next morning he runs and he gets to the lion's den. He says, Daniel, are you okay? Has your, has your living God saved you? Daniel says, man, piece of cake. My God took care of me. No problem. And, and at that very moment, Darius issues a decree and says, man, we all need to fear the living God that Daniel serves. Catch this. Here's a pagan, pagan ruler that says, you need to worship the God that Daniel serves, that he's the living God, that he will last forever. That's what prayer does. That's what prayer does. It does amazing things. Over my sabbatical, I, I was really focused on creating that habit of prayer, and I came across a book uh, called Praying the Full Armor of God by Rick Steadman. And, and one of my favorite parts is the first part of it. It gives you different days that you can pray uh, the, the full armor of God. And so on Sunday, I, I pray that, uh, that we strap on the belt of truth. And so I pray that, that I will see truth, that I will speak truth. I, I pray it over my family. I pray it over you, that you will speak truth, that you'll see truth, that we'll seek truth. On Monday, I think about the breastplate of righteousness and, and especially protecting our hearts. I pray that I'll have a heart 
that is open to God's word. I pray that God will protect my children's hearts, that God will protect your hearts. Uh, on Tuesday, I pray for the shoes of peace. I pray that God will give me peace, that God will help me deal with anxiety and stress and all of those things, that I would have that peace. I pray that I would have peace in my relationships. And, and, and let me just tell you this. It, it was a Tuesday, and, and uh, we had been traveling and things like that, and, and I get to my prayer time, and, and I'll just tell you, my wife was getting on my last nerve, and I was probably on her last nerve. And I'm praying for peace, and God says, you need to have peace with your wife. And I'm like, God, this woman's getting on my nerves. And God says, you're getting on her nerves, and you get on my nerves. And I say, God, I really don't want to pray this prayer. And I began to pray, pray for peace, and, and God began to change my attitude. Well, what I began to realize that so many times in prayer, we, we pray that God would change a circumstance. And often what prayer does is it changes us. It, it, it changes us. And so I want to challenge you. I want to challenge you. What if we as a church became prayer warriors? I think many of you already are. But what if we as a church all committed? What if we all said, hey, I want to be a prayer warrior? I've been praying for a long time now that God would fill up every one of these seats. And I'm going to ask that you pray the same thing. That you would, when you get here, that you pray, Lord, fill up every one of these seats. That, that God would bring people here that doesn't know Christ. I, I pray sometimes on Sunday morning, Lord, wake people up right now and bring them here. Lord, help people notice our sign. Help them to come here. Because I believe that there is something special happening in this church. We have an opportunity to tell people about Christ, to help them grow in their, life, or in their relationship with Christ. And I'm asking you, imagine, what if we all prayed that? We might have more than one service. We might have two or three or four services if we all prayed. I, I, I've been praying that we'd have a lot of baptisms. I've been praying that. And, and, and I'll just tell you, I've been praying, Lord, would you let us have at least 10 baptisms this year? I had Monica run some numbers for me. And as of today, we'll have over 10 baptisms on August 1st right now. Amen? What if you join me, and what if we start praying for 20 baptisms? I think our God's big enough to do that, right? I, I really believe that. And I'm just asking you, let's start praying for big things. Let's start dreaming big and saying, God... We just want to be your hand and feet, do big things here. What if God said, hey, I want you to be an inviter. I want you to be that person that just invites people to every event we have. What if God said, what if you started praying, Lord, use me as a servant. You use me to serve down at Acts of Hope and in our city and, and help me to be hands and or help me to have ears that can hear the needs of our city and that we can join you. What if God says, hey, I want you to invest in the kingdom. What if God says, hey, just trust me, and I'm going to do something amazing? See, I believe in the power of prayer. I believe that God's using this church to do mighty things. And would you join me in being a prayer warrior and developing kingdom habits?